Ready? We are. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also Ooh, be it's heavy. There's something in here. Oh, and I forget how to open it. There's more puzzles in there. To use it <laughs> Yo, dog. <laughs> I do like puzzles. It'll be up to you. And you too. And you too. And you too. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Todd. Oh, I don't know. I guess I could have played that. I'm woefully unprepared. Eh, it's all right. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Welcome back from the holidays. And yes, it's been, it's been a minute, as they said. Yeah, because we, we did a Portland we, at the Movies in between. But So it's been about a month since. I think so, yeah. This last episode. Uh, do you, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Twitter and the Elon Musk's and everything. Do you know what the difference is between God and Elon Musk? I don't. God doesn't think he is Elon Musk. <laughs> um, That's all. You get a tiny down whistle for that one. <laughs> a not loud enough sound effect for that joke. And uh, today we have uh, a really special uh, episode, I think. Uh, so our friend and uh, my neighbor uh, Rose is with us and uh, let's welcome Rose. Hi. Oh, we should, Rose. <laughs> I didn't know we were walking. Do you have a, Oh, there we go. Oh, no. Not <laughs> oh, just thank you. Just gales of laughter. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yay. First yes. podcast ever. Oh, Yay. nice. Well, welcome. As you could see the stakes, <laughs> as I kept repeating before and as you saw just now, stakes are very low. So. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's is it overly warm in here? Or, I'm or, not, but I'm always right? cold. I'm good. Same. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, we have temperature control over here. And okay, stuff to, to be comfortable. Um, <clears throat> so Rose, we heard a little bit about your story, um, and I don't know a lot of details. So I just um, the 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 big reveal is that you are a you're currently on the list for a heart transplant and a kidney transplant correct yes. and uh you've got a little history with that so could you tell us a little bit about your journey and uh how you came to need that and and what your situation is oh i'm sorry stuff on our cord um yeah definitely so i am actually a two-time heart transplant recipient and I'm, yeah, as you said, currently listed for a third heart and a kidney to boot. Um, I was four years old when I was diagnosed with um, restrictive cardiomyopathy, which is a <clears throat> pretty rare um, disorder that my doctors think probably started with a virus. Um, and it really the only treatment for it is a heart transplant, unfortunately. So when I was four and uh, 96, I got my first heart transplant. Um, it was very successful and I was really healthy for the next eight years. Um, and then right around when I started junior high school, my health kind of started to decline again. I was getting really tired, um, went to get a biopsy, which is a regular, um, you know, check in for how the heart's functioning. and was diagnosed with restrict, uh, sorry, uh, was diagnosed with um, severe coronary artery disease. Basically, 
due to low-level rejection from my long-term medications, my arteries had become inflamed um, kind of throughout. Um, so it wasn't, it's not like a clog where you can just kind of put a stent in and fix it. It um, ended up requiring another heart transplant. Um, and I didn't know at the time that that was kind of pretty common to need a retransplant. Yeah. My parents chose to not tell me that because they didn't want me to be stressed out about that at such a young age, um, which I totally understand. So it was pretty shocking when I realized I would need a second transplant. Um, but again, it went pretty smoothly. Um, I did both of the transplants in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I grew up near Kansas City, Kansas mm. uh, in Lawrence. And so, yeah, I got a second transplant at age 12. Um, that one was a little harder because 12 is already a hard age, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. puberty, Jeez. new friends, new school. <laughs> um, it was a rough year, but, um, I recovered and ended up being, um, having really a normal upbringing, um, aside from taking medication every day and just kind of having to be careful with, uh, immune suppression, um, being extra cautious about, wounds and bacteria and illness and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, lived, lived a really normal life. Um, I moved to Portland when I was 23 and, uh, within the first year of moving to Portland, I met my partner. Um, my dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, I found out that my heart uh, was failing again, as well as my kidneys, um, and became disabled due to that. And then my dad died. Oh, man. And um, then, yeah, I just kind of had to completely readjust my life and learn how to live um, disabled. And I knew, we knew that a third transplant would eventually have to happen. Um, but I managed to bounce back a little bit from that episode of heart failure and just kind of you know, worked part-time and stayed in Portland for a while. And then, um, I guess stayed in Portland. And, um, then about a year ago, November, 2021, um, I got really, really sick again. Um, just was feeling terrible, got really bloated, um, couldn't move around very well. Um, and I was hospitalized for, um, heart and kidney failure again. And at that point, my doctor said, you know, um, things aren't looking too bleak right now, but I think we should go ahead and start the process of getting you listed for another transplant, mm -hmm. um, as well as a kidney. And those will both come from the same deceased donor. Um, so spent some time in and out of the hospital, um, ended up getting listed at Cedar sinai in L.A., um, with redo transplants, they're a little more complicated because you have a lot of antibodies built up from the previous surgeries. Mm -hmm. So um, Cedar sinai <clears throat> is, has one of the best, if not the best heart transplant programs um, in the world. And that's kind of what they specialize, specialize in is the um, more complex cases yeah. of transplant. Um, so, yeah, I got listed at Cedars in March of 22. And at the time of my evaluation, they said to expect about a year's wait. So 
Um, I'm coming up on that year and very much ready to get the call <laughs> and go yeah. down and um, get that done. So when you're on that list and, and waiting for your for that call, is it literally like it could come at any moment or is there like, oh, now you're fourth in line or is, there, or is um, it just like we got to be ready at all times to move? Yeah. So there are different status levels when you're listed. And I was listed at a status four which is a pretty good place to be at. It means you're not sick enough to be constantly in the hospital um, and to have a little bit of leeway in terms of waiting. Um, but still, uh, with that time frame, yeah, it's it's usually around a year. Um, I didn't expect it to come before. Um, but, well, <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead and tell the little, the story of my um, test run, which was, Back a couple days before Halloween uh, of 22, I actually did get the call. Um, and that was much, much earlier than expected. Um, we were really excited, although super unprepared. Um, me and my partner flew to LA and met my mom there. We went to the hospital. I was feeling really good and ready. And then um, I tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. <laughs> And we oh, were no. we were just shocked. None of us had gotten COVID, you know. I'd been so careful, um, and Ugh. it was just this crazy, like, yeah, really devastating. Um, and they said, you know, I'm so sorry, but we just can't risk you being <clears throat> that immune suppressed and then fighting off COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I wasn't really feeling any symptoms at the time, other than just like minor congestion, but. Yeah, they sent us back home. <laughs> it was a whirlwind, Man. like 48 hours. Um, went to, stayed at a fancy hotel last night, cried into some nice room service yeah, yeah. and just flew back the next day. Um, it, was, it was really disappointing. But um, so yeah, at this point I am, I am expecting it to come at any time. Honestly, I thought it would have come already again, but um, part of the reason for the wait is that with my, um, antibody stuff, it, it just takes a little bit more work to find a, a good match. Right. Yeah. Um, I do infusions every month that lower my antibodies. So ideally the more of those I do, um, the likelier it will be to find a match. And so, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm a little on edge, just always waiting for that call, mm -hmm. yeah. usually expecting it like, uh, on weekends at night, you know, when there are more. Oh, sure. Accidents, not to sure. be morbid about it, but yeah. it's kind of a morbid thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in this process, what have you learned about organ donation and the importance of becoming an organ donor on, on that side of the equation? Um, I think since I was really young, my <laughs> my mom um, and I were really involved in donor awareness. Um, I, you know, it was a pretty big story at the time and I was pretty pathetic and cute, you know, four-year-old <laughs> needing a heart transplant. Um, and um, so we did some TV interviews. We got really um, involved in the local organ donation programs. Um, I met a lot of other recipients as well as donor families. Um, so yeah, it, I've been really passionate, passionate about the issue of organ donation. I definitely encourage everyone to not only sign their driver's license, but also um, talk to their family about their wishes. Mm, right. Um, there are certain states, I believe, where family can actually override your decision for mm. that. Oh, interesting. Um, and, you know, with the rise of like 
pseudoscience and kind of this general like distrust of Western medicine. I think it's important to talk about why why this matters because you can truly save yeah. a lot of lives just right. with one um, one person who decides to be a donor. Right. Yeah. So when when you do go through something like that do they give you options of like, would you like to meet the family and stuff like that? And you, and you can say no or yes, or like, how does that, how does that work? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have not met either of my donor families. Um, basically how it works is, uh, I work with transplant coordinators. They are RNs and they help me a lot with, um, kind of a liaison between me and the doctors, um, explain the whole process. And they're the ones who also work with the families, um, and basically both sides need to request or allow um, one another to meet. Um, and my stance has always been, you know, if the donor families wish to meet me, I would be open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't initiated it myself. Right. Right. Yeah. And I know, you know, like general um, demographic details, like both my donors were um, young boys, mm-hmm. um, I think eight years old and 10 years old, I believe, um, which is obviously, you know, a hard layer to it, knowing that something very tragic and traumatic happened. Um, and I just hope that, you know, making that decision for the families can give them a little bit of peace of mind. Yeah. I was going to say that's probably a tremendous comfort to know that it wasn't all in vain and that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously hugely complex feelings, but (laughs) Yeah. And meeting donor families throughout the years, too, it kind of feels like it doesn't really matter, like the individual where it came from. You kind of have this connection of, you know, I'm alive because of people like you. Right. And like my loved one died to let people like you live. So, right. Yeah. Wow. That's very powerful. (laughs) Are there, is, is there a connectedness or any kind of community around other? transplant recipients do you know any other transplant recipients and do you you know it's a small unique club uh, I imagine yeah um I I knew more back in Kansas since that's um when we were really involved in the organ donation um like nonprofits so I have another friend I kind of just keep in touch through Facebook I have a couple friends who have had two transplants um I have one other friend who I've never met in person, but she's the only other person I know with three and Mm. she's around my age too. So that's really cool. And her story gives me a lot of hope because she (laughs) got her third transplant and then like went to Europe, like studied in Germany for a few years, like just had a really cool life. And yeah. Yeah. Um, How, how do you manage the emotional uh, toil that, of, of this waiting and this unknowing and, and keeping your health up to, you know, there's, there's a lot, it feels, it seems like that would be a lot on your shoulders. Yeah. Uh, do you, how, how do you manage that? Um, to be honest, there are some days where I don't really feel like I am managing it. You know, some days I wake up and I feel pretty good. Um, I'm able to not work right now, which is a huge help. Yeah. Um, I have a very supportive partner. Um, and so some days, um, 
are fine and I can kind of like just put it in the back of my mind and distract myself um and then other days it it is really hard like I kind of um you know the things I need to do every single day to keep myself healthy are take my medicine and you know feed myself and if I just have a day where that's all I can do, then I just then that's accept enough. that. Success. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's I would say so. Success. Yeah. Wow. And uh, sometimes Xanax helps too. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I do get some, you know, I yeah. get pretty panicky at times. Sure. Just, um, yeah, the waiting is, has been hard for sure. Yeah, we've got a flow of Xanax in our house. Uh, uh, related. <laughs> the river of Xanax. <laughs> the river of <laughs> Xanax stream. Um, um, I will say too, I think um, the one thing that helps a lot is just knowing, you know, I really enjoy my life right now. I love um, my house, my partner, my day to day, like the community here in Portland. And so just having that light at the end of the tunnel of mm. this is going to be a really big hurdle. It's going to be really hard recovering in LA for a little bit away from people, but at the end of everything, I get to come back home to my dog and my dude and just live life and yeah. be healthy again. Yeah. So. What brought you out to Portland, if I could ask? Um, yeah, I just kind of was ready for a change, mostly. Yeah. Um, I love the Pacific Northwest. I moved out here um, after I graduated from University of Kansas and stayed with family in Seattle for a few months and then... Um, had a friend in Portland that needed a roommate and kind of realized that Portland was a little more my scene. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I moved to Portland in July of 2015 okay. Um, okay. and met my now partner actually the day I moved here. He was oh, wow. working on the house I moved into. So oh, wow. well, that was, was very serendipitous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I keep getting distracted by your awesome keychain, which is a bowl of ramen. I own my glasses on, but it, it appears to be a bowl of ramen, which I, is very delightful. Yes, thank you. It's a, yeah, a bowl of vegetarian ramen out of resin. <laughs> That's amazing. I thought it was a little cup of food that was real. And so like, <laughs> yeah, I've just been sipping from it. tiny, <laughs> tiny portion. <laughs> Truly, it is a tablespoon's worth of food in there. <laughs> yeah, it's like two teaspoons worth of food. Um, yeah. So what What has... Um, I'm trying to think because I'm, I'm, I'm in one of those places now where I'm not educated enough to know <laughs> interesting questions to ask, but I guess, is there anything that you've found truly surprising or truly at like a, a barrier maybe that you didn't know or a good thing that you were like oh this is available or just anything anything like that um yeah I think one of the hardest maybe not hardest but kind of most like awkward things about being in the position I am in is just that it's very rare and it's really hard to explain to people mm -hmm. um and so it's hard to just say like you know, I'm disabled. And then it's like, well, right. why? And it's kind of like, oh, this whole like spiraling. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the list for a heart transplant. Yeah. Well, it's actually my third. Also, I need a kidney. <laughs> yeah. Um. So one thing that really surprised me and made me feel better was when I did go to um, Cedars for the evaluation and realized that for them, <clears throat> like, this is just another day at work. Mm. They're like, we do dual transplants. We do redos. We've had a four-time transplant. Like, this is just what we do. Right. Um, and that really helped normalize it and Absolutely. give me 
more hope yeah. um, and just know that I have I've I'm really privileged to be able to see um, these amazing doctors. Yeah. I was going to ask how navigating insurance and all that, like, what is that like? <laughs> I can't imagine insurance that's... is probably the thing that stresses me out. Yeah. Most. yeah. Um, that's actually a really big reason why I moved out here as well, mm. um, because um, Washington and Oregon have great health insurance. Mm. Um, I'm pretty radical. I think that, you know, poor people shouldn't just die. I think that they should have health care. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, you are uninvited from this podcast. <laughs> I refuse to listen to this. Um, Socialist. So, yeah, I, I moved out here when I turned, um, what was it, 26 or 27, when you lose your parents' oh, right. insurance. Um, uh, we always had really good insurance, fortunately, but that was a big worry like starting really in high school that like oh yeah. I, this is something i need to think about because that was like you know pre-obamacare i was gonna and, say the dreaded words pre-existing condition yeah exactly um which is pretty fucked up like yeah. i was four years old when this happened and you I, know? I i think i mean coming from from a background and especially growing up in the 80s and stuff like that where people are like especially myself are so privileged to not even understand that Insurance is a gigantic barrier that <laughs> kills poor people all the time. Yeah. And it's not a it's it's the conversation is difficult because I don't like when when people think, oh, socialized medicine or whatever, they don't think that like an average everyday normal person needs all of this stuff at mm -hmm. some point. And and it is so far out of our reach that it's like, yeah, well, guess we'll just die then. Yeah. Like I it, normalizing that a million things happen for a million different reasons mm -hmm. and we're not in control of it. Like this isn't a, yeah. I ate my vegetables. And so therefore why should I have to pay for people right. who overeat like that attitude? And, yeah, and I think the more we hear like, Oh, like this is a tremendous, terrible thing that we've all kind of forgotten to take a look at with new eyes. And it's yeah. important to hear stories like yours. Yeah. Anything can happen at any time. Um, and so, yeah, Oregon in Oregon, I'm, you know, dual covered because um, they actually won't list you if you don't have insurance. Um, they'll they'll help you get something set up, but they will not list you until they're they know that it can be covered because it's like an over million dollar right. process. Um, so because I'm on disability, um, I have Medicaid and I even have like a kind of um, insurance liaison who I can call with questions. Um, she lets me know about benefits that I didn't even know existed, like having a grocery cart, like credit card for mm. healthy food, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it really is location, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that will be my future until there actually is universal health care. Um, yeah. But I'm happy I ended up here in Oregon there. It's I like yeah, it a lot. So. <laughs> Well, and I have a, a, a some families that I worked. I work with uh, children with with special needs and their mm -hmm. families, and and um, there's some that are looking to move out of state for whatever reason, and realizing like, oh, Oregon pays for people like me to come in and care for your children, so that you don't have that burden. Mm -hmm. That's pretty unusual, and like yeah. other states don't yeah. have any care. They don't any programs at all for special needs kids, let alone something like that. And like to me, it's just. 
I don't, not to get too preachy on a Sunday afternoon after <laughs> yeah. I taught Sunday school, but like that is literally loving your neighbors. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's that rugged individualism that yeah. is yeah. really harmful. Yeah. Um, leaves and a that's lot of something, people behind. Yeah. That's something that I've been super interested in. I just started grad school uh, mm-hmm. for social work. And so um, hearing a lot of these things that like, I, it doesn't occur to you like, individualism is a part of white supremacy culture. It's mm-hmm. like, well, what? Like that is such <laughs> a thing that I don't yet understand. But the more I see it, it's like, oh, okay, those are the ways. And this is mm-hmm. how that happens. And it's a concept that like my brain, like a lot of things just immediately rejects because it's new or different or that's not the way I learned it. And yeah. you just have to sit and, and talk with people and like ask them like personally, I know, many 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 people and now including you that are alive because of obamacare Mm -hmm. i don't know anyone that is dead because of Mm -hmm. receiving socialized medicine in this country or anywhere yeah like so we can argue about a broken system and how we can safeguard ourselves from what we think the evils of socialism are in the thing right but like to even pretend that this is a choice to me is becoming increasingly baffling and and things that i'm untangling about my youth or my the way I heard it presented or mm-hmm. how the conversation tends to happen so like hmm. to me that it it's just powerful yeah I yeah. know many many people <laughs> who are alive yeah. because of that and Tilly and uh we've talked a lot about because I'm a veteran I have veterans yeah. health care which is socialized medicine mm-hmm. and it uh has been amazing for me yeah uh you know when I broke my ankle uh, the copay ended up being about two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, which was covered by the government because of COVID. Uh, oh, uh, the, funny! The COVID bonus covered the yeah. two hundred and fifty dollar uh, copay for. Well, Mark, you know bros. that hospitals get more money when they mark down COVID on the things just so that they. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got yeah. about. 12 prescriptions that I'm on right now and I pay less than $10 a month wow. for those. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm very lucky. Um, I think I also grew up in a, you know, people think Kansas and think like rural red state, um, but I grew up in a pretty progressive community. Um, my parents were very progressive mm. and uh, I think we did always have that sense of like, you know, you make your own family and community. Um, so fortunately, that wasn't something I had to learn on my own. Yeah, it was something yeah. I just kind yeah. of was raised with. Wow. Yeah. One of our one of our <clears throat> one of our only listeners is also from Kansas, but <laughs> oh, cool. rural Kansas. I forget the city, but some some very small town. All my relatives now, well, all of them, my brother and sister and their four girls all live in the Midwest now. And I spent some time in in Iowa mm-hmm. for a couple of years and then said, Hmm. No, thanks. <laughs> and, and, and I never lived there again. I loved um, my hometown. I still do. I love visiting. But it is, um, you know, it's not a small town. I mean, but, but it's not a huge city either. Yeah. Um, it is kind of hard growing up in a somewhat insular community and being like the heart transplant girl. Like, yeah, that's your I identity. fell often like that's all people knew about me. Right. Um, so that was a little bit of the reason I wanted to leave as well. Just kind of be a blank slate and be able to yeah. tell my own story from the beginning. Yeah, um, that's important. Yeah. And I am very open about it, but you know, it's not the first thing people know about right. me when they it see me. It's not the totality of your identity. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And I do want to be clear the, about <clears throat> my distaste of the Midwest is 
all weather related and not, <laughs> and not people or community, which I did totally. enjoy, but hoof that out weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've turned into a big baby here yeah. in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> you get like one cold snap and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> that ice a couple of weeks ago. That was terrible. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the donor matching process. Like, is there just a database and they're matching, you know, blood type and mm-hmm. these uh, antibodies and this, the, you know, like this size, this age. That, yeah. That, how um, does that work? To be honest, I don't know a whole lot of the in and outs with the mm-hmm. matching just because I think the more I know, the more I would kind of be going too far into it. Sure. And I would like, I I trust that there's a system in place, I guess. Um, blood, blood, type, pl- blood type does matter. Um, and this is silly, but I can never remember what my. I was going to say. Is. I hope it doesn't re- anything relies on me knowing my own blood type. I'm just. Gonna, I've been told, and I yeah. always forget. But it is a more I have common. No one. idea. Um, I I I know it's not one of the like the good one, like the cool one, like the one yeah. that universal donor or whatever. It's just something regular. But I have yeah, no I can, idea what I, it is. I think. Well, I know I'm O positive, which I think oh, is. I think that's the good one. The good one that can receive everybody's blood. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm the last to die, um, <laughs> apparently. Um, <clears throat> the um, There's been debates about whether financial incentives should be involved in the don- donor process. Uh, and that's probably more with like living donors for mm-hmm. like a, a kidney or something. Do you have any input on, not input, but like uh, any uh, thoughts thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. What's the word? Yeah. Um, I guess I have sort of mixed feelings about it. Um, I think absolutely no one should donate a kidney because they're poor. Um, that happens a lot in, you know, developing nations. And that's why like transplant medical tourism is a thing. And Mm. I don't agree with that. Um, I, it would, I I don't think it's ethical. Um, but then on the other side, you know, hospitals, insurance companies, Mm. pharmaceutical companies make billions (laughs) off of these surgeries. Um, and it isn't an easy thing at all to donate a kidney um, or I, you can also do, you know, uh, partial liver, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of see both sides. Um, I think that people should be compensated, but then I don't want that to be an incentive yeah. for right. people who otherwise wouldn't right. wouldn't choose to, be to exploited donate. And, yeah. 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 Make, it should be enough like sense. for an incentive, but not like. Like free pizza, a free pizzas for life or something. Yeah, like right. One pizza exactly. a week where it's like, oh, cool. Like at least, you know, whatever, but not like a million dollars. Exactly. Cool. Um, do you have any? Wow. No, that was this, really, really fascinating. Really fascinating. I'm really honored you came on here and told us your story. That's oh, really thank great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about your first podcast appearance? Uh, that was fun. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> um, if if you want to share, um, I I hear that you've got a GoFundMe to help. Oh, perfect! Uh, a network of people around you. Uh, do you have a GoFundMe going? Is that um, true or not? I do. Yes. Um, so after my transplant, I will need to relocate to LA for at least three months, and I need a full time caregiver. 
Um, so I have a GoFundMe for living expenses because um, I don't know if you know, but LA is not a cheap city. I have live lived in. there, and it <laughs> is I grew not. up near LA. Um, <laughs> and it's also really difficult to find a place to live when you don't yes, know when you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, I have um, I have a GoFundMe, and I can um, send you guys the link. Perfect. Right. We'll we'll put that in the episode. Thank yes. you so much. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Rose, thank you again for coming on and, and chatting with us. This has been uh, enlightening, and, and I love that you're my neighbor. <laughs> I was going to say, so as, as far as caregiving, people giving of themselves, you have uh, landed yourself a great set of neighbors with Mark and Nick. Oh, because we they already are, know. Yeah, yeah. We, we knew we hit the neighbor jackpot. We were very nervous when that house was empty. I <laughs> bet, because, um, yeah, it could have been. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me, and um, I'd love to do a follow-up once I'm Love back. it. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we look forward to it. Open invitation. Cool. Thanks, thank you, guys. Rose. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so should we pretend this is the beginning or the end of the show uh we had the intro we already played our intro yeah you're right yeah i'd say at the end Uh oh (laughs) yes i am (laughs) i haven't played those in a long time you know what i've had on my desktop for (sighs) how long since October 4, 2021, are all the space greetings that they sent out on the um, Voyager mission. Oh, yeah. Like, um, Voyager. Italian. Italian. Greeting. Korean. Latin. Latin taking up all the time there. She's Louise. Everyone else is like, hey. Latin's like, all right, get comfortable. I'm going to tell you a story. Welcome. You might wonder how I got here. All right. Well, yes, we are coming back after that great interview with your neighbor, which was wonderful. Thank you for setting setting that up. And thank you again to uh, thank you, her. Rose. Yes. Um, but we do have a little bit of news to get to. The first one, I had started pulling a bunch of stories and then I... I uh, kind of jettison most of them just about AI in general, because we will get to that uh, uh, at some point We as a topic to itself. So I wanted to save some, but there's been more and more talk chat about the chat bot, uh, uh, the different things that these new AI chat bots and, and systems and, and writings and all of that and, and art. There's been a lot of discussions about that. Uh, new York schools just banned an AI chat bot that writes essays and answer prompts. Uh <laughs> Um, so we're going to be seeing lots and more and more of things like that. I, um, I don't know how you can figure that out. Maybe those, those types of places have to put a watermark or something that there's a searchable something so that you can check against it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how you rein that in. It would work if there was only one. In right. The world. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> but there's not anymore. There's competitors, and and so I could take well, maybe the output of one and run it through the output of another, and and copy and there's paste. There's like Google Translate and Google Translate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that will. And I I am kind of glad that that is. What what is going on? What is going on? I can never remember which headphones are on two. Oh, oh that's two. Which ones my headphones are? So every time we have a guest, I'm turning down their headphones, trying to find what Hello? knob I'm on. Hello. 
Uh, well, why don't you tell us about the library, Mark? So Multnomah County Library is breaking ground on a new expanded library. So Mult- Multnomah County Library is breaking ground on one of its one of the first of its library building projects, Holgate Library, a brand new two-story building at the same location. <laughs> Perfect. The new library will be triple the size of the wow. current 6,400 square foot uh, space to a total of 21,000 square feet, making it one of the largest libraries in Multnomah County. A groundbreaking ceremony for the new library will be held Friday, January 6th, two days ago. <laughs> At 10 a.m. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, that'll be on on Holgate. And they had a, a little picture of the concept of the of the library, and it looked very, very nice. <laughs> the libraries are so underutilized, and I'm as guilty as yeah. most uh, at underutilizing the with audiobooks and and video checkouts yeah. and and uh, lots of services like. I, I feel like, it, especially when we lived in Italy, we leveraged the library a lot. Mm. Uh, and since returning about 10 years ago, uh, I have not been to a library again. Yeah, I used to obviously go a little bit uh, more when the kids I took care of were a little younger. But I mean, they Canopy, which is a streaming service that the libraries right. offer. I think there's two different streaming services that the library offers. But yeah, just getting movies and stuff through them is, is great. Support your local library Yay. today. Well, movie fans can now sue over a misleading trailer to film buff said Universal Pictures tricked them into renting the 2019 flick yesterday because the trailer featured actress actress Anna de Armas. Peter Michael Rosa and Connor Wolf said they forked over three ninety nine. That's three dollars and ninety nine cents each to watch the Richard Kermis co- comedy on Amazon Prime only to discover that de Armas had not made the final cut. In a ruling on Thursday, Judge Stephen Wilson said trailers are commercial speech and subject to laws around honest advertising. Quote, at its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing customers with a preview of that movie. The suit is claiming at least $5 million. Which should cover the eight that they lost. <laughs> on behalf of disappointed fans, lawyers will uh, convene again in April, on April 3. To, um, but yeah, they basically decided you can't sell a movie by showing things that aren't in it rogue one also did that because like the movie was a disaster and falling apart and they just gave all the footage to a um a trailer company right who just used it all of course why wouldn't you and right. like half of it <laughs> wasn't even in the movie um do you know much about this next story which i just very very truncated but um it, in the early december about the fusion breakthrough um i don't know much okay no Okay. Uh, I know that they have made great strides in in fusion reaction, uh, in fusion, you know, a nuclear fusion reaction, and uh, that's really big news. Uh, yeah, and so that's all I know. Yeah, uh, so this is a very truncated. Like I said, there's there's much more out there, and since the story is already a bit old, I'm sure you know a bit more. But more energy. Fusion is when more energy comes out than put in, correct? So they they focused a 2.05 megajoule laser onto a tiny capsule of fusion fuel, which they don't say what that is, sparking an explosion that produced 3.15 megajoules. So that's 1.10 more uh, or three three sticks of dynamite. So each dynamite must be one megajoule. If three of them equals 3.15, the result... 
represents a shot in the arm for views and researchers who have long been criticized. Easy. <laughs> we can criticizing fusion researchers <laughs> for oh for over promising and under delivering uh, fusion holds the tantalizing promise of a plentiful carbon free inner plentiful carbon free enter energy thank you the nif results shows it's possible at least for a fraction of a second so yeah this was not designed to now you know fuel our entire lives but for that fraction of a second they did prove that and it seems like they often do that like there'll be news stories like this where it's like we did it and they're like no we didn't but we're (laughs) saying we did for a fraction of a second yeah um we should have an episode about uh fusion yeah uh, do we know anyone that knows anything about fusion uh, no, we have to learn it ourselves. <laughs> we have to learn it ourselves. That's your topic. I'll ask. Chat you said GPT. it. That was an oral agreement. Mark said he'd do the topic. <laughs> Dear Chat GPT, <laughs> yeah. teach me about fusion. <laughs> uh, um, governor Kate Brown empties Oregon's death row. Is she still governor? Uh, she must be. Maybe in the last. Uh, I saw her last tweet the other day okay. so i think uh, okay yeah this now is turned over flagged in, in uh, last month uh but she announced governor kate brown announced it uh oregon is commuting the sentences of all 17 people on death row in oregon their sentences will become life in prison with no possibility of parole so i think that is a good step because not only are we not killing people who might be innocent which is a big problem in our um in our system but I believe it costs more to kill someone than just to keep them, keep them on death row forever, which is a math that I quite don't quite understand. But uh, there it is. So why don't you take this next story? I hadn't heard this, and this yeah. is really fascinating. So yeah. uh, New Zealand, uh, the Kiwis have imposed a lifetime ban on youth buying cigarettes and it's for their lifetime so Mm -hmm. new zealand on tuesday passed into law a unique plan to phase out tobacco smoking by imposing a lifetime ban on young people buying cigarettes the law states that tobacco can't ever be (laughs) sold to anyone born on or after january 1st 2009 that's pretty crazy it means the minimum age for buying cigarettes will keep going up and up in theory, somebody <laughs> trying to buy a pack of cigarettes 50 years from now would need ID to show that they were at least 63 years old. That's crazy. But health authorities hope smoking will fade away well before then. They are wrong. <laughs> uh, they have a stated goal of making New Zealand smoke-free by 2025. Yeah, and it seems like uh, part of the story that I did cut out and I think uh, is also replicated in America that um, the indigenous Maori... Uh, people of New Zealand have a much higher, I think they were 20% of their population as smokers as opposed to 8 to 10 mm. of the general population. And I know America probably would um, be very similar as far as yeah. uh, Native Americans uh, uh, smoking too. So very interesting. Uh, but not as interesting as... Our, our heartwarming story that ends the show. A man with a World War One explosive lodged in his rectum. <laughs> rectum. Rectum. Oh, I don't. That doesn't work for that. Uh, sparks a bomb scare and a hospital evacuation. The case left doctors shell shocked. The 88-year-old patient. 
who was far more adventurous in his old age, uh, visited Hospital Saint Muse in Toulon to have the antique explosive removed. Oh, he's French, of course. But instead, it sparked a bomb scare. Bomb disposal esper- experts at the scene determined there was little possibility the shell would explode inside the man. Uh, obviously, because it's from World War One, they reassured us by telling us it was a collector's item from the First World War used by the French military. I'm a collector. <laughs> <laughs> That's my French accent. That's nice. <laughs> stunned, stunned doctors subsequently began the process of removing, of trying to remove the object, which measured almost eight inches long and more than two inches wide. Mm-hmm. I think I'll probably use. I don't know. Can I use that for the show? Like out of context, it's not so bad. <laughs> Maybe it will. It looks like a yeah, a giant bullet that is like two, two feet long, and <laughs> it looks like a giant bullet. <laughs> And nothing else. (laughs) Medics were forced to take the elderly man into surgery, cutting open his abdomen in order to remove the relic. According to the hospital, he is now in good health and expected to make a full recovery. 88-year-old man. I mean, that is... That is a big... That is a big missile. What is it? A bomb? That is is a bomb. That's a bomb. I mean, and that's, that's like... That's a can-do attitude that I do like to see in in older people. Like, I can still accomplish big things. What I didn't see until just now is scrolling down and they show the product. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I put the picture (laughs) in there. That's why I was saying, do I use that as the show show image so that... Can... (laughs) It's not graphic. I mean, it is just a doctor holding holding the bomb it's not can you make it black and white it just oh maybe too yeah brown okay. to me yeah i mean it's it is a brass <laughs> you are right <laughs> it is a brass bomb looking thing that does have some discoloration that brass often does get but that in this in this case perhaps might lead to some confusion as to what that is but it's poop wow <laughs> spoilers spoilers I think it's simple oxidation is, is how that's playing out in my head. But Wow, wow, wow. Well, sorry, Rose, Neat. that you are forever. <laughs> Your beautiful, heartwarming story of, of humanity and, and goodness is going to be attached to that story forevermore. So... Ah, well, it was good to be back in the saddle yeah. again. I always I always miss it. It always is kind of nice to take a little break, especially around the holidays when things we're no not nerd who still plow through the holidays as a weekly thing. They've been going like they're beasts. five, six years and they have not missed a week. So what? they are they are quite something. The most consistent tech podcast out there. Nate, they they Nate. just work. They just <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for uh, joining us. Well, I guess since we're talking about not nerd, let's um, one moment vulnerable. Oh, ah, there's too much going on. I'm looking for one thing going for another. All right. Well, we'll take you out with a not nerd theme song. So we will see you guys later. Uh, Hope that your holidays went well. And here is to a great 2023. Yay. We'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye bye. Oh,
Todd of the Mark and Todd cast just got a new sound effects machine. Oh, I'll probably have to send it to him. He's always yes. whipping off our sound yes. effects. He does want me a clean take of me saying vulnerable, trying yes. to say vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable. There you go, Todd. Uh, you can take that and put it on your sound effects machine.